Welcome to Living Well with Dr. Peg, where psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark explores a variety of mental health, wellness, and safety topics, and she shares her biblically-based psychological strategies for living well and staying safe. Now, here is your host of Living Well, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Welcome to the program. Well, the U.S. has never had two major hurricanes make landfall in the same season. Even as initial recovery efforts for Hurricane Harvey are underway, we're already bracing ourselves for Hurricane Irma, the strongest storm ever recorded in the Atlantic, and as of today, a killer storm with at least eight people already dead in the Caribbean. It's hard enough to plan and prepare for a major hurricane, but the uncertainty of exactly where and when Irma might make landfall is causing great anxiety and seems to add insult to injury as recovery efforts from Harvey are just beginning. Hi, I'm your host, psychologist and author, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and thank you for tuning in to Living Well with Dr. Peg, where all good psychology is, is God psychology. Each week we explore effective psychological strategies based on biblical principles for living well and staying safe, and today we're talking about the physical and psychological impact of the flooding in Texas and the long and arduous recovery process that's ahead. We'll also discuss how to plan and prepare for Hurricane Irma and stay safe in different types of emergencies. We're taking your calls today at 303-477-5600. Living Well with Dr. Pegg is brought to you by our sponsor, SSI Guardian, who set the new standard in advanced safety education. Go to SSIGuardian.com for more information about life-saving products and solutions and upcoming advanced active shooter response training at NC State University. And you can stream today's program online at drpegradio.com. And if you miss any episodes of Living Well with Dr. Peg, go to drpegradio.com for the program archives. And you can also go to drpegradio.com to connect with our sponsor or to register for one of my upcoming workshops and events. And just uh, happy to be with you today. I'm, I've been hosting Living Well with Dr. Peg since 2011. I'm excited to be here on KLZ 560 and Crawford Broadcasting. I started out at Crawford on KLDC back in 2011, so it's great to be back. And a little-known fact about my history with Crawford Broadcasting, I met my husband, Ryland, at KLDC, and he actually proposed right here where I'm sitting in the KLZ studio. Uh, so just having some wonderful memories being here. Uh, before I get to carry it away, let me introduce my guest, who's with us by phone from Miami, Florida today, Michael Yorio. He's a safety and security expert and president of SSI Guardian. Proud to have SSI Guardian as the sponsor of this show for almost a year and a half now. Michael Yorio, thanks for being with me today, and welcome back to the program. Hey, Dr. Peggy. Always my pleasure. How are things in Colorado? Oh, things are looking good here. We've got a little bit of haze in the air for, from some smoke and from fires, and uh, but really um, we're blessed here. Um, we're going to be talking about Houston today and Miami, where you're based. Um, what's going on um, uh, in Miami? Uh, we're going to talk later about planning and preparation for Irma, uh, but briefly, um, how are things looking there today? <laughs> The word that best sums it up is chaos, uh, some oh, organized gosh. chaos, some unorganized chaos. Um, th this storm, and I've been through quite a few of these, uh, this one's a tough one to call. Um, it, it's so big in size that uh, the entire state is under watch. Uh, we don't mm -hmm. know where the landfall will be, which is impacting individuals' decisions, whether to hunker down, whether to evacuate, what plans to take. 
Um, so we're, we're used to this. So the, on the upshot, uh, most folks do have contingency plans. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think in the end we'll, we'll be okay, but we do have a fight on our hands. Yeah, and we'll get into that a little bit later in more detail so people can be prepared not only for Irma, but for any disaster, really. There's a lot of basic principles that are similar uh, regardless of the exact nature of what's happening. Uh, but we'll be talking about uh, Hurricane Irma in just a moment in a little more detail. Uh, before we um, get into, uh, we actually have a, a first caller. Before I take that call, can you tell the listeners just a little bit about SSI Guardian and um, the safety and security solutions you provide? Sure, absolutely. So SSI Guardian, we're a full-service cons- security consulting firm uh, if you look at our, our, our organization, you can sum it up in four pillars, advanced training, consulting, products, and lastly, technology solutions. Um, so we are part of a much larger, larger organization by the name of School Specialty, Inc., who is a true leader in the educational space for more than 58 years. Um, so we provide a, a various solutions to educational institutions, corporate institutions, government, and faith-based uh, regarding training, preparation, and then also providing the products and technology solutions that they need to upgrade their safety and security initiatives. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So truly, um, Guardian provides a level of expertise that's hard to find elsewhere. So we're grateful to have you on the program today uh, to share your uh, knowledge and um, advice for those who are facing um, Hurricane Irma. I want to turn our focus first to Hurricane Harvey. Uh, Hurricane Harvey made landfall in Texas on August 25th uh, with 50 inches of rain causing damages estimated as high as $180 billion. And Texas is still assessing the destruction that Hurricane Harvey left behind. Uh, Earlier this week, the Washington Post reported that officials across the state had confirmed at least 60 deaths related to the storm, a tally that's expected to increase as floodwaters recede and recovery efforts continue. Now, it's been almost two weeks And there's so much that's already happened and so much that still needs to happen in terms of recovery efforts. Uh, We have a a caller from Houston, uh, David Rupert, um, who's boots on the ground in Houston. David, thanks so much for calling in today. I'm so glad that you asked me to join. Oh, yes. Uh, What's it looking like right there in Houston? You're there with the United States Postal Service. Is that correct, David? That's correct. So we've been down here um, kind of helping uh, reconnect people to their mail, uh, which mm. is important for uh, medications checks, and then, you know, all the recovery documents and um, just kind of getting back uh, to normal, which mm-hmm. is just huge after any disaster. Uh, but what that's done is it's, it's taken me into, into some of the areas. You know, 40 inches of rain, um, it's kind of hard to imagine that much rain over a very short period of mm-hmm. time. Uh, this is a clay soil, so it had, had nowhere to go. It isn't like it, you know... In Colorado, we just kind of soak in, but then, you know, still there's a saturation level, and this is a huge metro area, fifth largest in the in the nation, and it's just very spread out. Uh, just today, I drove by many areas that are still with three and four feet of water. There's just, just no place for it to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so as you're doing your duties in the last several days, um, what, are, what are you encountering? Uh, not just what it looks like, but the people and how they're, how they're experiencing what's happened. Yeah, that's been interesting because it seems like just about every person was impacted in some way. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that amount of water, I don't care how um, high your house is or how tight it is, there's going to be water coming in. So 
Um, you know, a lot of people are, are simply uh, drying out their carpets, but then many, many, many people just uh, all their stuff is out on the curb. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the hard thing. When you have a lifetime of possessions or, you know, some treasured, treasured things that, that uh, mean a lot to you and, or, uh, you know, school supplies. Uh, you know, I met uh, one woman who, who, you know, lost all of her clothes and she had just got her kids ready for school and it was all gone. It's just all in a big heap. And those heaps just spoke to me about, you know, just how, how uh, you know, our lives as, as people and how short they can be the things that we buy. Mm. Yeah, and so I know people are probably focusing on grateful to be alive, even in the midst of all that loss and devastation. Um, and so it really changes their perspective, I would imagine. Peggy, I went to um, uh, one of the uh, centers where all the people were coming um, that are affected, they lost their homes. So there's there's a couple, of, there's a, hundreds of them, smaller shelters, but uh, one of the largest ones has about 8,500 people in it. Uh, one of the the stadiums here, and um, you know these are the people who had nowhere else to go, mm-hmm. and they lost everything. And uh, it was, you know, the kids, the kids were running through there. The, you know, they thought it was summer camp, mm-hmm. you know, but the parents they knew really what that meant and being there, but uh, really a lot of smiles, a lot of hugs, uh, lots of resources. There's there's a, a tremendous organization down here. I'm very impressed with how they responded with programs, activities, uh, food, water, clothing. Um, there's, there's very few people going uh, without, but I'm sure, uh, you know, in, a, in a two or three weeks, then it's kind of time to start putting your lives together, and that's that's going to be the hard part. That's the hard part, yeah. Yeah. And which will go on for months and even years. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, David Rupert, thanks so much for calling in. We're sending our prayers out to you. There's lots of folks and organizations here in Colorado that are organizing and collecting donations, and um, they're heading your way. So God bless you, and thanks for all that you're doing out there. Hey, hey, hey David, real Thank quick. You. Yes, sir. David, mm-hmm. real quick, this is Michael. Uh, listen, when you bump Michael. up against folks, who, like the story you told with school supplies, we're getting ready to mobilize a team into the impacted area. Uh, providing their, just that school supplies to students and schools. So please uh, feel free to uh, contact us direct on that. Perfect. I will. Thank you very much. Thanks, David. Stay safe and dry. All right. Bye-bye. So, Michael Yorio, president of SSI Guardian, um, a subsidiary of School Specialty Incorporated. So, uh, school is getting ready to st- should have started. They've they've uh, delayed the start of school out there in Texas. Uh, so, say more about what. Um, SSI Guardian and School Specialty are doing to try to meet the needs of the school children going back? Sure. So we're doing various things uh, in conjunction with some partners there, such as the uh, PTA Association and some other organization with Boots on the Ground, uh, providing, uh, as I mentioned to David, Dr. Peggy, mm-hmm. backpacks. So think of back-to-school backpacks with supplies, uh, providing those to the students, um, helping schools resume their operations with classroom furniture, desk chairs, etc. Um, so we're going to be doing a variety of different things uh, in addition to uh, hard funds. So we're we're you know we're engaged in in education very very heavily. Uh, so we will be helping schools out in, in various ways. Excellent, outstanding. Uh, and so it's it's such a devastating experience. We're almost two weeks in with Harvey. 
Um, and so much has already happened, so much that still needs to happen in terms of recovery experts. Uh, as a safety and security expert, Michael, uh, talk about some of the short and long-term um, response and recovery. Uh, David Rupert mentioned the shelters. Um, say more about that and kind of what people need to be aware of. Sure. So there are various phases of the recovery, and a lot of people, uh, it's top of mind at the beginning when it first happened, and the first phase is just that, first off, rescuing folks, uh, getting getting them to safe shelter, providing food, water, uh, clothing, etc., um, and then the, the phases progress from there. Um, to your point earlier, these things last for weeks, months, in some cases, years. So it, it's a matter of ha- having a phased approach. There were different phases of the recovery. Uh, one phase is having schools get back online. Depending upon the severity of the damage that that school incurred, uh, it could be short-term or it absolutely could be long-term, where you're dealing with structural damage, again, re- replacing furniture, equipment, supplies. Um, in a lot of cases, uh, students have been displaced. So, for example, Houston, I know some of their students will be starting school uh, in Dallas. Others will be starting mm-hmm. in, in Austin, Texas. So even even locations that weren't impacted directly by the storm have a challenge on their hands that they weren't ex- expecting this influx of student enrollment. So, therefore, they find themselves short on certain supplies, furniture, etc. cetera. Um, phases continue with counseling. Uh, as you know, we call it psychological first aid, grieving and bereavement. Uh, so it's important, and everybody deals with trauma uh, in, in different ways. It's important for the folks who require those professional services on the front end to receive those. Otherwise, these traumatic effects can have long-lasting impacts on individuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell the listeners if they'd like to uh, participate in um, supporting the students out there with SSI Guardian and school specialty, how can they get in touch with you? Sure. So you can contact me direct. You, you can email me at, uh, actually, I'll give you the easier email address, info, I-N-F-O, at SSIGuardian.com. Uh, you can also call me direct at area code 202-676-7166. Excellent. And I'll have some links to that information on my website later today at drpegradio.com. My guest is Michael Yorio, safety and security expert with SSI Guardian. And we're talking about recovery efforts from Hurricane Harvey and what you need to do to get prepared to deal with Hurricane Irma. Stay with us. We'll be back. Are you prepared for a sudden cardiac arrest? Having an AED is simply not enough. School athletic coaches are required to have CPR and AED training, but they can only save a life with properly functioning and maintained equipment. Maintain compliance and reduce your liability with AED program management from SSI Guardian. Buy an AED and receive a two-year management program for free. Call us today at 877-878-5800 or visit us at SSIGuardian.com. You can learn a lot about yourself and God from a dog. When her children asked for a dog, this mom got them gerbils. So imagine their surprise and hers when she adopted an abandoned dog that she met in Dallas, Texas, just one day after her divorce. In a way that only God could orchestrate, her spur-of-the-moment decision to take in a little dog she named Dallas was just the beginning of a seven-year journey that transformed her life. 
and taught her to see herself and God in a whole new light. Read Doggy Tales, Lessons on Life, Love, and Loss I Learned from My Dog, a delightful and heartwarming book by psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Part memoir, part Christian inspiration, Doggy Tales is a must-read for anyone who wants to learn to recognize God's voice, even in the most unlikely places. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you'll love Doggy Tales. Go to drpegradio.com books to purchase your copy today. Threats at our schools and workplace continue at an alarming rate and require an innovative approach to overall institutional safety. A 21st century safe school needs the right training, the right equipment, and the correct action plan to achieve a future-ready, safe learning environment. SSI Guardian's comprehensive, evidence-based solutions and Tier 1 security consulting is the only active shooter training in America with an accredited CEU. Don't trust your safety to just anyone. SSI Guardian is the only choice. Visit us at SSIGuardian.com. All right, welcome back, everyone. This is Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and you're listening to Living Well with Dr. Peg. We're excited to be here on KLZ 560. You can also listen online at drpegradio.com. And if you miss any episodes, you can always go to the archives at drpegradio.com. I'm talking with uh, safety and security expert Michael Yorio, who's president of SSI Guardian. Thanks so much, Michael, for being with me. You're uh, calling in from, from Miami. Going from sunny Miami, calm before the storm. (laughs) Yeah, yes, and we'll get into what folks need to do while they are still calm to be better prepared and equipped. I want to talk a little bit more about Harvey before we shift gears, just because that's still going on, the recovery efforts from Harvey. Uh, We were talking right before the break about um, this should be an exciting time for school children, looking forward to returning to school or perhaps even going to a new school. Uh, Parents who are trying to get their kids ready for school with their school supplies. Uh, You know, Houston School District is the nation's seventh largest, and their schools remain closed this week to repair flooded schools. And the district has said about 75 of its 275 schools suffered major or extensive flood damage. Uh, And so School Specialty and SSI Guardian are partnering to provide uh, school supplies for the children down there. So again, if you'd like to partner with um, Michael Yorio and SSI Guardian and School Specialty Incorporated, you can reach them at SSIGuardian.com. So Michael, let's talk about uh, some of the other safety and security issues uh, in the recovery efforts that people might not think about Local and federal prosecutors um, have formed a task force to investigate investigate reports of home repair fraud and people posing as police to facilitate theft and other crimes. Uh, there are also fundraising and relief effort scams uh, that people need to be aware of. For example, people posing as FEMA and Homeland Security inspectors. Calls being made saying your insurance premiums are overdue and must be paid immediately in order to receive coverage. Uh, scammers are coming from everywhere in the aftermath of a disaster like this. What advice or guidance can you offer folks uh, to help people s- stay safe from scams? Yeah, unfortunately, and, and as we all saw as a country, um, the, the, that storm, and it typically happens this way, brought out the absolute best in people mm-hmm. in Texas and surrounding states, numerous states. Uh, unfortunately, it also brings out the worst cast of characters. 
Um, so my advice, some, some things that anybody can do, practice basic common sense. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you mentioned a couple great examples. Uh, if you get a call that doesn't seem right, especially in the midst of a storm, um, it probably isn't right. So always refer to your local and state government guidance. Um, I know they've done a good job in addressing such scams. Um, I would stay away from folks and on the street selling you things, whether it's a generator, uh, water, clothing, etc. Um, the humanitarian relief folks are there in full force. Um, they are not selling goods. They are providing goods to people in need. Mm-hmm. So, again, always practice common sense, home repair, um, uh, again, consult with your insurance company. Make sure that the firm is reputable. Um, you want to look for folks coming in from out of state uh, because typically uh, a lot of these perpetrators will come from out of state um, looking for victims. Mm-hmm. So, again, just being being aware if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. If someone's pressuring you to pay for things that um, relief efforts are normally going to rep- uh, provide to you free of charge, that should be a red flag. Absolutely. Stay clear of cash deals. Mm. Uh, Again, look for reputable companies that are established, uh, not somebody, as we say, operating out of the back of their car, Mm -hmm. because there's probably a reason that they're operating out of the back of their car. Mm -hmm. Great advice, not only in the aftermath of um, severe flooding, like we've seen in Texas, but usually any kind of um, disaster, you're going to see some folks trying to take advantage of people. Uh, So let's shift gears and talk about Irma. You're right there. Uh, one of the projected paths is coming right through your area. Um, this is being called a killer storm now. We're seeing at least eight people have, have already died related to the storm in the Caribbean. In the Caribbean, And um, we're seeing different um, forecasts of, of what's going to happen and when. So what, what are you most aware of right now being right there in Florida today? Yeah, so t- to your point, uh, it's, it's coming through the islands as we speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's already caused some casualties. Um, this storm has not lost any of its intensity. Um, it's a very, very rare storm, not only in size, but by its ability to sustain its strength mm-hmm. uh, for the duration that it has. Um, so everyone here in Florida throughout the state is on high alert. Uh, one of the challenges is they don't know exactly where it will make landfall. And because of the mass of the storm, um, there's a great possibility that the entire peninsula of Florida, which isn't all that wide to begin with, uh, could be impacted by this storm in one form or fashion. Mm. Um, I, I can tell you, having lived through many of these, uh, even a tropical storm can do some nasty damage. So it's important that folks don't uh, uh, get a false sense of security that, yeah, we're only going to get tropical mm. wind impact. Um, that, that still is enough to cause damage. Uh, the coastal areas are being evacuated from the Keys up to Broward County, perhaps even Palm Beach County at this point, uh, because of their proximity to the shores uh, facing pretty severe storm surge. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we're based here in Colorado. Um, KLZ Studios are here in Aurora, Colorado. You're in Miami. Um, everyone knows someone in Florida. Uh, So even our listeners who are here locally and certainly those who are listening online around the country, even around the world, have have folks they know that they're concerned about. Um, So what planning and preparation activities uh, do schools, do workplaces and even just the private citizen need to get engaged in to get prepared for the hurricane um, 
people people are already on Facebook, social media, um, reaching out to their loved ones, hoping that they're going to be okay and finding out mm-hmm. what their plans are. What advice can you offer um, in terms of planning and preparation? Sure. And, and regardless of the threat, Dr. Peggy, be it a hurricane, be mm-hmm. it a forest fire, be it a blizzard, the, one of the key points is to have a plan in place well before that, that incident takes place. Uh, and it's sometimes tough to do because we, we, we get lackadaisical. On Florida, for example, it's been almost a decade mm-hmm. since they, we had, we've had land impact. So it's easy to go year to year, but first and foremost, it's important to stay in front of it. So have your plan prepared and then have a contingency or a backup plan in, in place. For example, have a plan that, okay, we're going to hunker down, making sure you have all of your supplies and following that checklist. Your backup plan should be evacuation. Evacuation notices often change. So it's important that you have your, your hunker down plan and then you're also your evacuation plan in place, knowing what you're going to do beforehand for you and your family, talking about the plan with your family. So it's not just one person leading the way, but so people are familiar with um, these are our supplies. Here's what we need to do. If this happens, here's how we will pivot on our plan. So and it's Michael, a host of things. Is it, yeah, too, sure. is it too late if people haven't sat down with their families yet and mapped out their plan? You know, planning is, and preparedness in advance is ideal, but is it, is it too late to try to pull that together now? Absolutely not too late, Dr. Peggy. Um, the, it may impact your specific plan, because uh, had you started planning two days ago, your plan would probably look different than a day before the storm or even very, very last minute hours before the storm. But you can always take precautions regardless of the time to mitigate your damage and to survive. Okay, excellent. And so what you mentioned um, having your supplies and that kind of thing. What What kinds of things do we need to be gathering up in advance? We've all seen and been involved in the grocery store uh, chaos where there's nothing left on the shelves. I, I saw a little meme the other day that was pretty funny. There was nothing left on the shelves except in the vegan section of the supermarket. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but everything else was gone. So what kinds of things do we need to um, have in our you know, basic kit and um, in terms of water and food and that kind of thing? What guidelines sure. can you offer? Hur- hurricanes can change change lifestyles and diet uh, preference without question. <laughs> uh, water is a big one, obviously. We all need safe drinking water, and water typically is impacted. Um, water also, I, I know in Florida here, it's, 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 these stores are, are doing their best, but they're struggling to keep adequate amounts on the shelves. Um, tap water at this moment is fine to drink, so mm-hmm. use, your, use your empty bottles, Use thermoses, whatever containers you have, to amass as much clean, safe drinking tap water before the storm as possible. So that's one way around the water shortage. Um, non-perishable foods, canned foods, power bars, um, things like that, dry goods, cereals are great to have on hand. Uh, you want to make sure that you have backup batteries for your lanterns mm-hmm. and flashlights. Uh, one thing we recommend that a lot of folks don't talk about while first aid kits are talked about, crisis response kits are rarely discussed. And these are imperative because during a hurricane, EMS services are pretty much non-existent, not because they don't want to come to you. They just can't reach you in many, many cases. So if you or a family member or a friend does incur life-threatening 
bleeding, you're really not going to be able to save that person's life unless you have a crisis response kit with mm-hmm. the appropriate equipment. Wow. So cash, you always want to have cash because with power outages, ATMs go down, um, and you can't use credit cards. So you could be at the store, and they may have stocked up, uh, but if they're not connected um, to their merchant services, they can't take your credit card. Uh, so always make sure you have cash on hand. Um, hence, practice your personal safety because you may have more cash on hand than you typically would. And unfortunately, the bad guys know that. Wow, those are those are some great tips. I never would have thought about cash and ATMs being down and electricity being down. Uh, and, and talking about the crisis response kits, um, for kind of the... Um, the first aid kit, but kind of on steroids, because we know that there are a lot of injuries that can happen. Uh, there's shards of glass. There's, you know, structures of buildings can can be um, can be damaged where there's things jutting out of a wall, for example. Um, say more about those kits, because I know that's something that um, SSI Guardian uh, offers as one of your products. Sure, absolutely. So crisis response kits. Um, are not made or designed to deal with a, a scratch or what a Band-Aid might uh, suffice on. They're actually designed to save life. Mm-hmm. So it's the same caliber and actually the same products that we use on the battlefield that professional first responders use, products such as tourniquets, uh, quick clot, things that will absolutely help you save a person's life in a life-threatening bleeding situation. Mm-hmm. And a person can bleed out, a person can bleed out, lead to death in under five minutes, depending upon the severity of the wound. Wow. So these things are critical. Uh, they are easy to use. Uh, they do come with instructions. So even if you've never practiced using a tourniquet before, they are very uh, user-friendly instructions inside the bags. Great. And again, as you stated, that the advice that you're offering uh, for folks to be prepared to respond to Hurricane Irma, that advice is also relevant for other types of emergencies. And we're going to talk a little bit later about other types of emergencies, and in particular, um, uh, shooting incidents, um, school shootings, and that kind of thing. These these are the types of things that are still relevant when schools go into lockdown after a major event. It could be hours. It could be all day. There could be injuries. And so thinking ahead, even um, I, I know of someone who got stranded in Houston, the water rose, and she was waiting for someone to come and rescue them. They ran out of food. The sewer had backed up, so they couldn't use the bathroom. So those are things to think about in any kind of emergency. What's our plan for using even the bathroom if our, our, um, our plumbing backs up? Um, what if someone gets injured? How do, how do you um, help them when, as you stated, first responders can't get to you? So this is great information. Absolutely. The other bit of advice I would add, Dr. Peggy, pay attention to what your local law enforcement and government are telling you to do. So if they tell you to evacuate, um, you should probably listen to that advice. You're putting yourself and others at risk. Uh, They're telling folks, uh, they told them in Texas, they're telling them the same thing here in Florida. If you decide to stay in in an evacuation zone, write your social security number on your arm Mm. uh, because that's probably the only way we're going to find you. It's not that they're not going to do their best to get to you. They're just not going to be able to. So bad judgment not only places you as an individual at risk, you're placing other individuals at risk as well. Mm -hmm. Well, you talked about having backup batteries uh, for our cell phones. Uh, What, what kind of communication plan do 
folks need to have, and again, this might be relevant as well in other types of emergencies and, for example, school lockdowns and workplace lockdowns, um, sometimes cell phones don't work. What do you recommend in terms of communication and advance planning so folks know if this method goes down, here's plan B, here's plan C? Uh, absolutely. So cell phones can be your best friend in an incident. To your point, sometimes they don't work. Um, but in some cases, you can send a text without being able to make a phone call. Mm. So don't just rely on one form of communication. Utilize your text. Utilize if you can get on the Internet via a smartphone. Um, you can u- utilize that. If you have multiple communication devices within your household, utilize those. Um, sometimes one carrier power may be tied up when another may be free. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And um, advice I heard many years ago was in advance, again, the planning and preparation, form a, um, a group texting kind of app that you can use without your cell phone service. Uh, one that I'm familiar is, with is GroupMe, but I'm old. There may be some newer ones out there that the young <laughs> people are using. But creating a GroupMe app for your family or the people that you want to be able to stay in touch with during an emergency or a disaster, that even if cell service is down, as you mentioned, you might still be able to access the Internet. Absolutely, absolutely. And there are a ton of apps out there. Uh, FEMA has an app. There are various uh, local governmental apps, state apps Mm. uh, that will give you guidance, give you up-to-date, very valuable uh, communications. Okay, excellent. Well, we've got uh, just a minute here in this segment. When we come back um, from our break, we're going to talk about other types of emergencies. We also want to take your calls. If you have any questions for security and safety expert Michael Yorio, give us a call at 303-477-477. 5600. That's 303-477-5600. I'm speaking with Michael Yorio, president of SSI Guardian, talking about recovery, and we're talking about planning and preparation in a disaster, specifically Hurricanes Irma and Harvey. Stay with us. We'll be back. Schools are increasingly adopting 21st century learning strategies. However, safety largely remains absent from the conversation and fragmented efforts continue allowing for security gaps. Studies show effective learning can only exist when students and teachers feel safe. As the industry leader providing innovative educational solutions for more than 58 years, School Specialty has created the 21st Century Safe School, which aligns next generation learning best practices with proven safety solutions focused on the mental, physical, and emotional well-being of every student, teacher, and school employee. From early childhood solutions to advanced training for teachers and administrators, the 21st Century Safe School is the most complete and comprehensive approach available to schools and universities. As a parent, you have every right to demand that your child is afforded the safest environment. Take action today by calling us at 877-878-5800 and learn more about this innovative approach at SSIGuardian.com. 
What if a psychologist with years of clinical and teaching experience wrote a book revealing secrets that therapists know but usually don't share? And what if that book provided strategies for experiencing change and transformation? That's exactly what you get with Dr. Pegg's book, Do Something Different for a Change, an insider's guide to what your therapist knows but may not tell you. Approaching 10 years in print, this self-help classic shares insights and strategies to help you overcome the three common barriers to change, heal your emotional pain and emptiness, and strengthen your connection to your true self and and others. In the easy-to-understand, down-to-earth style she's known for, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark clearly communicates fundamental principles related to change and reveals secrets your therapist knows but may not tell you. Read Do Something Different for a Change tonight and have a better tomorrow. Go to drpegradio.com books to purchase your copy today. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for joining me for Living Well with Dr. Peg. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. My guest today is Michael Yorio, president of SSI Guardian, who set the new standard in advanced safety education training. Go to SSIGuardian.com to get in touch with Michael Yorio and register for SSI Guardian's NC State active shooter training and learn more about their safety products, solutions, technology, consulting. Thanks again so much, Michael, for being with me. You're in Miami hunkering down. Hunkering down in Miami. All right. (laughs) (laughs) And listeners, if you have a comment about hurricane and disaster preparedness and recovery or a question for safety and security expert Michael Yorio, give us a call now at 303 477 5600. Again, that's 303-477-5600. Uh, so, Michael, let's let's shift gears a little bit for this last segment. And a lot of what you've been sharing uh, is for hurricanes and natural disasters, but it's just good um, advanced planning for safety and security in, in many types of situations. And one situation that we're sadly hearing more and more about um, every year it seems like more and more is um, school shootings and mass mass casualty um, types of active shooter events and later this month is the one-year anniversary of a shooting that occurred at Townsville Elementary School in a town about 40 miles southwest of Greenville South Carolina where three students and a teacher were shot and uh, six-year-old Jacob Hall later died from his wounds. And our prayers and condolences go out to them. We know that these anniversaries of these tragic events can be so tough. Michael, can you share with the listeners a little bit more about what occurred in that um, incident about a year ago? Sure. So it was about a year ago, coming up on a year. um, Very young person. It was a 14-year-old who shot three students and a teacher, uh, wounding a six-year-old as well. Um, he actually died from wounds three days later, the other individual. So uh, this one was interesting, kind of went against the grain. Yeah, what we know from FBI and other studies, 95% of school shooters are current students. Mm. Um, in this case, this young person was being homeschooled. He had been expelled about a year earlier from the school for bringing a hatchet and a gun to his middle school. That is such so a young research- age. It's such a young age, mm. absolutely. So there were certainly signs there. Um, so th- this one's kind of an odd one. Again, did not follow typical, did not fit that 95% statistic, which is one thing we all need to be careful not to focus too much on statistics. Mm-hmm. With school sh- shootings and workplace shootings, uh, we're seeing an evolving threat 
every incident is truly, truly different. Um, folks want to know, hey, tell me the three things I need to do to keep me and my people safe, and we'll absolutely do these. Unfortunately, it's not that easy uh, because these threats are always changing. Mm-hmm. And we want to avoid stereotyping and profiling is really what you're saying. We can't look at that statistic and say, okay, it will always be a former student or a current student. Student, um, That's not necessarily the case. Absolutely. Uh, As we discuss in our training, you don't want to profile individuals. What you do want to focus on is behavior, uh, and you need to understand what threat indicators are Uh, Any change in a person's baseline behavior uh, is very important. Now, that doesn't mean if somebody's going through a change in their baseline behavior that they're going to come in uh, and shoot the place up. But what it means, especially with a school, that that young boy or young girl is going through some sort of change. And as teachers and counselors, we really need to look at this and try to identify what's causing this change in baseline behavior. Mm -hmm. So critically important. Um, One source um, stated that beginning with Columbine 18 years ago now, more than 135,000 students attending at least 164 primary or secondary schools have experienced a shooting on campus. That doesn't even include, Michael, the suicides, which we're seeing more and more here in Colorado. There were two two more uh, students, student suicides in the past week or so here in Colorado doesn't include suicides, accidents, or other types of um, after-school assaults. So we're, we're, we focus a lot on the assailant and motives and uh, behaviors, which is really important. Uh, and, but it's also easy to lose focus on the survivors. And in the case of T- uh, Townsville Elementary School in South Carolina, these were um, children who... Um, one of them died, and all the others who were traumatized by such a, 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 a horrific event. Um, it was a very small community as well, similar to um, Sandy Hook Elementary School, where so many children were were killed. There's a psychological mm. impact on the survivors. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that and what SSI Guardian is doing to help with um, uh, the survivors when there's a, a death toll and and a, a tragic event at a school, for example. One big misconception out there, and I know you know this, Dr. Peggy, is when it comes to suicide, a lot of folks look at it as that's an individual problem, and mm-hmm. that person is only a threat to themselves. Uh, but in reality, that's not the case. We know with most school shootings and workplace shootings, uh, the shooter typically takes their own life. Um, in this case with Greenville, uh, the suspect was arrested. He did not. But again, every situation is different. But I can tell you in a high percentages of these shootings, these, these violent shootings, the shooter knows going in that they're not coming out. Mm. So we really need to look at suicide, not just as a threat to that individual, but a threat uh, to the school and the community around them. Mm-hmm. Uh, to your point about traumatic effects, or absolutely, people... Uh, if, if you ever lived through one of these, and, and I hope that most of the callers have not, I hope nobody has, um, but some people have experienced these, these dreadful acts, it can last with people for the rest of their lives. So it's important that they receive um, the proper post-incident um, training and counseling that they require. Uh, one thing that we have, we have a program called Grieving and Bereavement, uh, which deals with that. And it's not just that somebody may die uh, at the school, but within the community. Um, and everybody grieves, be it a student, a parent, a teacher, anybody in the community. Uh, and in our world today, the world is, has become very, very connected. 
Um, so in a lot of cases, people from counties away in different states have a direct um, connection to that incident. Mm-hmm. And we know that all too well. So unfortunately, here in Colorado, uh, we have um, folks who have survived and lost lo- loved ones at Columbine, Aurora Theater, uh, Arapahoe uh, High School. And so we know it's not just the immediate family that's suffering that loss, but the entire school, the entire community. And and there's that secondhand trauma of just being living in a community where something so horrific has taken place. Uh, that's right. Yeah. And, and it's only through effective professional training that people have a complete and comprehensive understanding uh, of these threats of the need for certain um, acts and policies to be implemented. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about uh, some of the lessons learned. Um, uh, obviously, prevention is the most important thing here, is we want to avoid, the, avoid these things from happening, avoid uh, experiencing these things to begin with. Uh, so what, what kinds of things um, have we learned from previous tragedies and um, Uh, Talk about uh, what type of training folks should have. Mm -hmm. Well, on top of that list, and there are many lessons learned, but uh, on top of that list is situational awareness. Mm -hmm. Um, As I mentioned, if we go back to the um, example we just talked about outside of Greenville, South Carolina, um, the the school took action. They expelled uh, the young boy for bringing a hatchet and a gun to the school. So we don't know what happened after that. If there were other policies and protocols in place that followed this individual's behavior, and I don't know if there were, but we know that you know social media, uh, a lot of these acts of violence have been foreshadowed on social media. Uh, a lot of these, to our community's credit, have been throttled because a, a, a child sees a disturbing comment on Facebook or Twitter, whatever they're using, and they report it to their parents. They report it to law enforcement. So there, there are many, many examples of how being situationally aware can prevent bad things from happening. Mm-hmm. So it's always important, no matter where at school, at work, at a, at a football game, we're coming up on football season here, always to be situationally aware. So it's important that everybody has a baseline understanding of things to look for. Yeah. And I always say it's hard to be situationally aware when we have our nose plastered in our cell phones. (laughs) Uh, Even simple, (laughs) simple safety precautions of watching where you're walking so you don't get hit by a car or, or, or walk into a pole. Uh, We've got to have our head up, our our eyes open, again, not to be paranoid and not to profile or stereotype people, but to be aware of what's going on, as you stated, that change in baseline functioning. I noticed this coworker, I noticed this student used to be this way, and now I'm seeing these changes. Uh, Again, it's not not that you're ratting anyone out, but um, as Homeland Security says, if you see something, say something. If you see something, say something. And it's important for schools and organizations, regardless of industry, to provide training to all of their employees. Um, it's, a, it's a felt approach to just train your leadership team. We'll just train the managers. Mm-hmm. You have to train everybody within that organization so that everybody is aware of these threat incidents and everybody knows how to react in any sort of an incident, whether it's weather-related or something more violent. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And to your point, tech, there's a time and place for everything. <laughs> Texting has no place uh, when you're driving a car. Um, so we see it all the time. And whether you're in Miami or Colorado or Wisconsin, where our home uh, company is based, texting and driving is not a good match. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and to your point of everyone being trained, uh, we know uh, from FBI data that uh, there, in the majority of uh, school shootings, specifically targeted violence toward a school, um, bystanders were aware. Uh, other people knew about the assailant's plans before he or she carried them out. Uh, and in some cases, more than one person knew. Now, the majority of the bystanders were peers of that student, young person, uh, but in some cases there were adults, whether it was parents or teachers. So again, training is critically important so that when those bystanders do see something, they know who to report it to or whoever it's being reported to knows what to do with that information. That's all a part of the training, isn't it? That's, that's right. You're absolutely correct. And it's very, very difficult for a parent to believe that their child could do something as evil and heinous as going into the school and shooting it up or going to a movie theater and doing something like that. Um, so it's very, very tough. There was an incident about a year ago or so up in Maryland uh, where the parent did do this. He turned in his daughter who was planning on doing something very, very bad mm -hmm. at her school. So it's very, very tough, and that's why everybody needs to be aware not to be paranoid. Uh, we, we don't want people to be paranoid, but we want people to be vigilant. We want people to be aware of these threats that we face in 2017. Mm -hmm. And so, again, being being aware, having a plan in place before something happens. So what we've been talking about in the first two segments with regard to Hurricanes Harvey and Hurricane uh, uh, Irma is planning and preparation is so critical. And that's that's true in this case as well of uh, if if you are trained to recognize the signs, hopefully you can uh, prevent an attack from occurring. Uh, but in the event that attack an attack does occur and it can't be prevented, uh, training is critical there as well. Uh, what would be some of the general things um, that people would uh, learn in training of how to respond in an active shooting incident, for example, at school or work? Our training is very comprehensive. Um, it's, I would say, the most comprehensive training program on the marketplace. Uh, it involves more than 20 critical topics, things such as situational awareness, things such as bullying signs, the importance of establishing policies and protocols, very, very critical things that can make all the difference in surviving an incident or preventing an incident altogether. Mm -hmm. uh, we also touch on the mental health component and the behavioral component of it. Uh, most programs are talking about, you know, what do you do if there's an active shooter? They, they like to preach one height fight, uh, which is a, a, a theory and a concept that, that's out there, uh, but really merging the mental health and how it directly correlates to safety. Well, that, that sounds good. And again, uh, listeners can inquire about the NC State Active Shooter Advanced uh, Training that's com coming up in October in Raleigh, North Carolina. Again, you can go to SSIGuardian.com or DrPegRadio.com for links back to Michael Yorio, who's president of SSI Guardian. Uh, so, Michael, school specialty and Guardian have pioneered what you're calling a 21st century safe school model. Uh, what is that, and how does it tie into 
uh, for example, school shootings and even recovery efforts um, like we're seeing in Texas and may, may be required in, in Florida as well? So the 21st century safe school, um, it's really our, our company's value proposition, and it's something that we created. So it, it truly looks at safety and security from the mental, emotional, physical, and social components, which is quite a, a new way of looking at things. Um, for example, UC Davis did a study, and what that study concluded was there's a direct correlation between safety and truancy, where children did not feel safe at school, they were more likely to miss school. And if you miss too much school, you're going to really you're going to have really bad grades. Uh, and to the extreme, um, it does contribute to dropout rates. And we all know career prospects are greatly diminished uh, when one drops out of high school. Um, there were inherent safety features to classroom chairs, to furniture. So it's really looking at it, not just safety that we think, you know, security cameras and safety training and, and school shootings. Yes, that's part of it, but it, it's the overall safety of a school environment, mm-hmm. which promotes learning. And we, and we know this with color schemes and the psychological um, components. So I'm playing in your sandbox a little bit, Dr. Peggy, mm-hmm. uh, but things are done for reasons at schools, the color schemes, the layouts. Um, the temperature, various things all contribute to impactful, effective learning. And not just for students. If a teacher is, is in fear of their safety, they're not going to teach at their maximum capabilities. Uh, it could be a leaky roof. Um, it could be very bad, uh, deteriorated classroom environments that's going to impact learning and teaching. So the 21st Century Safe School is a new way of looking at promoting truly a 21st century education. Uh, And we believe that you cannot truly achieve that 21st century education without safety being involved. Wow. Yeah, that that is just an innovative look and approach at learning and student achievement and student successes. It's not just about, as we used to call it back in my day, the three R's, (laughs) reading, writing, and arithmetic. It's also about safety and how that can be perceived and experienced in so many different ways. And um, SSI Guardian is the leader in that space. Um, So uh, thank you for sharing that information. I want to just close out the show with a little bit of information about uh, the recovery uh, from Hurricane Harvey. Uh, We know that the floods in Houston may have some obviously short-term effects and certainly long-term effects on our health, including our mental health. Uh, We know after Hurricane Katrina, uh, there was evidence of increases in depression and post-traumatic stress disorder and even suicidal thoughts among survivors. Uh, And it's been reported that mental health disorders in survivors of Katrina worsened over time uh, and that some survivors continue to experience mental health problems related to the storm. Uh, so we know recovery takes time, and it occurs at a person's own place, a person's own, own own pace. And so, if someone is continuing to experience distress after a few weeks, uh, they really should seek help from a trauma specialist. Uh, the good news is not every person exposed to trauma will develop PTSD. Um, many people are resilient. There are lots of examples already coming out of uh, Houston of resiliency and folks bouncing back and experiencing what we call post-traumatic growth, where the feeling that surviving a disaster has made them stronger. Uh, So thank you so much, Michael Yorio, for sharing your expertise on safety and security with us, president of SSI Guardian. 
Thank you, Dr. Peggy. It's been a pleasure to have you. Again, listen to Living Well with Dr. Peg every Thursday on KLZ 560. And go to drpegradio.com to stream online or listen to the archives or learn more about my mental health and safety and wellness workshops and to learn more about SSI Guardian. My guest has been Michael Yorio, and I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, reminding you to live well. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Living Well with Dr. Peg. For more information or to contact Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark about her mental health or consulting services, please visit her webpage at drpegradio.com. 